0: So anyway, God bless you. It's good. To... Today I get to uh, I get to do something that's that's a lot. Of... I get to I get to take this next uh, few minutes of the morning service, and to take the longest book in the Bible, and compact it into a into a message, and uh, I, it's it's a real honor to get to do this. Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, is one of the most it's a powerful book and there is so much, not just the fact that it's the longest book in the Bible, but there is so much in the book of Jeremiah that is, it is meaningful to us. And sometimes we can look at it as almost just like a history book, but woven through this masterpiece of, of literature that was, that was put together by the Holy Spirit. There is so much about God and his nature and his character. And so I want to talk to you about, about that today. I want to talk to you about, a little bit about, about this guy named Jeremiah and who he was. And I want to talk to you about how this impacts your life. The Bible says that th- these things are written so that you may believe. And so there is not a word in the Bible that is ins- Insignificant. It's in there because it has a special meaning to, maybe not to you at this moment, but maybe someplace down, down, your, down your, the line of your life. And it's important that we grasp the, all of the teachings that comes through the Bible, because when we are in tough situations, we were saying, does anybody care, where's God at a time like this, that we are able to, to fall back on, on who God is. And Jeremiah is one of those books that is so powerful because of what is going to happen in the narrative of the story of, of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a, uh, he, he was a prophet. He was a prophet from the, the southern kingdom, from, from Judah. He was a prophet that was called by God. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to the book of Jeremiah in chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 4. Um, The the first part is just the introduction of Jeremiah. It's his credentials. It's a little bit of, of who he was. And now then, we're going to look at the why he was. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you... As a prophet to the nations. You know, that is one of the most powerful passages on the sanctity of life, on the holiness of life, of why, as a Christian, we must protect the unborn because God knew them before they were conceived. David is going to say some things like, like God was knitting him together in his mother's womb. You know, it doesn't make any difference why you're on earth. Maybe you were an accident by your parents. Maybe they go, Holy smokes, we didn't, we didn't, we weren't planning this one. But God was. But God was. Maybe there are some times, maybe some of you were, you were not planned, and maybe you came into life in a, in, to a mother that, had, that did not want a child, wasn't in the place where she was ready to have a child. Maybe you were raised in, in a, in a single-parent single home. Maybe you had a mother that was, that was never married. So, well, what about that? What about that situation? You know, there are certain things in life that we're not going to understand this side of heaven. But what I do understand, what I do know, is what the Word of God says. That He knitted you together in your mother's womb. And you are a treasure to Him. That you are the most valuable gift. Your life is, is, is a treasure. And that's the reason that one of the reasons, as believers, that we, we are called to protect life. It's the reason that we must always stand behind the unborn and do what we can do to protect their lives. We see so many, there's such a controversial point, but it is a moral issue. It is not a political issue. We have taken something that is the, the ethics of life and we have tried to make it as a political issue. But it is something that God has designed. And as believers in Christ, we must stand behind the unborn and protect them. And we must fight for them. Now, I know that in in, in a crowd this size, that there is always always the, the chance, the opportunity, the likelihood, and the odds that there are some of you in here who have had abortions. You made a choice to to give up that life that was inside of you. And what I I want to say to you this morning is that we serve a God of mercy. We serve a God who forgives. We serve a God who's there on our side. We serve a God that is there to say, my grace is sufficient for all of your needs. And if that is something that is a scar on your life right now, I want you to know that, that I'm with you and I, and I forgive you. You know, I, I think one of the things that I have understood down through the history of, 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 of my years in the ministry, of knowing that we, there, there's not, the Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. There, there's none of us. You can say, well, my, my, what I did was, no, it's not. It's not worse than anything else that any of us have ever done. But you understand, I, you know, no, God understands. We have this God that is there with us. And he's saying to each one of us, I have a life for you. I have a plan for your life. And I have called you and I've, I put my mark on you. And so it's important if you have been involved in that, that to receive God's forgiveness, to go before God and, and allow God to forgive you and then to get on with life. And to live it without any kind of hindrances on your life. And to realize that someday, as you walk into heaven, that you will... And this is, a, this, this is, this is not the way it's gonna, really going to happen, but for the sake of, 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 of drawing a picture in our minds. When you walk into heaven, that that child that you gave that life to, that child is going to run up to you. That child is not going to say, why did you take my life? That child is going to say, thank you for giving me my life. And you will get to have that relationship with that child that, that you've missed. Oh, I've been in the ministry long enough to, to work with people that, that have said, I, but I missed that child that I, I, I took their life. I miss that child. I miss that child. I'm, I'm lonely. I, I'm in this place, this season of my life, where it's just not right. Oh... God will make up for that. You will have those places with that child for eternity. But it will not be as a as a parent. It will be as a co-brother or sister in eternity in the kingdom of God. And so I, I just had to start it off this morning with a, kind of dropping a bomb on you. I'm sorry for dropping that bomb right away. But, 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 but this is the importance that we understand, that these things are written so that we can believe, that we can believe in the, the sanctity of life, and to believe that God appointed, that God appointed Jeremiah at a, at a, before he was even born. I got a plan for your life, and this is what I want you to do. And he was a young man. Jeremiah was probably about the age of 20 when God first called him into being this prophet. And we're going to see Jeremiah, and throughout this book of Jeremiah, we're going to see him for the, probably about the next 42 years, uh, maybe as much as 50 years, we're going to see him serving God. He's going to be faithful to the call. And there's a sanct- as there is a sanctity of life, there is also a sanctity of a call. That God has got a calling on everybody's life. And somebody say, well, I, I'm not sure what my call is. Hang around God long enough and, and he'll tell you and he'll show you. Hang around him and begin to, to hear his voice. And God will be speaking to you about his, his, his plan for you. And so Jeremiah, here we go. We have this guy. He is... He is the one, he's this prophet that is in the, you know, if, you, if you've been around, Pastor Josh has been giving us incredible stories of, of you know, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, they were divided, there was the, this the civil, civil war between the two nations, and Judah is in the southern part in, in Jerusalem. The other kingdoms are up in the north, uh, and they have been taken away, they've been overrun, uh, and now then, only, only, only Judah has been there. And now then, it's time for payday to come. The people had turned their backs on God. They rebelled against God. God promised them when, he came, when they came into Israel to take the to Canaan land that if you do these things, things are going to go so good for you. If you will follow me, you're not going to have the, the, the losses. And all of a sudden, they realize that they have turned their backs on God. That God is not blessing them anymore. And, and Jeremiah has been warning them. He's been crying out to them. He's gone through about five kings, seven kings. Of, 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 that God is going to come. You're going to pay for this. You've got to straighten up. We've got to quit serving the Baals. You've got to quit Quit offering your children as, as, as sacrifices to, to these gods. You've got to cut this stuff out. You've got to start serving the one and the true God. And payday comes. It's all coming to an end now. Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and I am taking a whole bunch of different stories and jamming them together in, in, into one. But take some time and, and, and read, read, read the book. But payday comes. Nebuchadnezzar comes in, And he he hauls off uh, all of the bright and the intelligent. He leaves a few behind to kind of keep the system going there. But they've lost their freedom. Many have been taken captivity. Um, They have been hauled off. And now then they are in in Babylon. In Babylonia, they were there to, to, at, at the will of what Nebuchadnezzar wants them to do. We, mo- we all know the stories of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the smartest and the brightest that, of, 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 the, of the culture. And Nebuchadnezzar is saying, I want you to bow down and, 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 and worship me. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. And, and, and so there's, there's this incredible stories that we're not going to take time to get into today. But they were faithful to what God had called them to do. And God honored them. Jeremiah was not one of them that was taken out of, out of Babel, out of, Jer, out of Jerusalem. He was left there. He, he was left behind. And he was continually talking to the kings that Nebuchadnezzar was allowing to, to be in place. You got to straighten up. You got to pull the people back. Some, sometimes they were hated. For some reason, Nebuchadnezzar had a great deal of honor and respect for Jeremiah, and even made it, had his general watch over him, make sure they don't they're not too mean to him. Make sure that you take care of him. You 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 house him over here. But Jeremiah was a young man who was continually faithful to the call and the message of God. Jeremiah was a young man who understood the attributes, and the character of God. He was a young man that based his life on who he knew God was. I want to talk this morning to to, to the hearts of, first of all, to every one of you. But I especially want to talk to the hearts of of those of you that are younger. I want to talk to the hearts of those of you that... That maybe you're not sure where you're going with your life. Maybe you're just, you're just starting off in life. And, and I want to ask you the question of what does God want you to do with your life? Have you invited God into that decision-making process? I know that as we read this, God says, I formed you in your mother's womb and I have appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. But I also believe that we all have a free will. And God can, we can override God's will. I do not believe that God's will is always done. My, my, the reason that I say that is because I know that the Bible says that it's God's will that all men come to repentance. And I know it's not happening. So God's will is something that we can choose to live in and, and walk in. And take this incredible gift of life that we have and direct it to where it's supposed to go. To the thing that's going to glorify God the most in the long run. I believe that Jeremiah made that choice to to submit to, to God's will. And so here we go. We have this young man who God says to him, you can't marry. That's a bummer right there. Uh, you, you know you can't you can't have children, because I want your life to be a story. Now, I, one thing I want you to know is I'm not for all of our young people. They you say, "Well, I don't want to submit my life to God. That means that He's going to ask me to do some things I don't want to do." No, God will will work with you, and He will the desire. He will give you the desires in your heart. He will take those and put them inside of you, and it will be your desire. I, I told a little I tell the story once in a while, but. When I was a kid growing up, we were always, I was always afraid to, to go to church on Sunday nights when missionaries were there because uh, I was afraid if I went there, God would call me to Africa. I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I didn't want that. I don't, I don't want to go to Africa. And, uh, and one of my friends who was called to Africa, he says, I was afraid that God wouldn't call me to Africa. You see... Because God put those desires. Now, most of you know that that I have a a short-term calling to Africa. I have a love for for especially for for Tanzania and for our our our, our children there and our churches that are that are doing the work there. But but and it's a desire that God has put inside of me that is is growing and getting healthier as you know as as time goes by. But what I'm saying is. Don't worry about God making you do things you don't want to do. What God will do is that God will give you those desires and, and all of a sudden you'll be you're finding yourself wanting to do what, what God has in mind, what God wants you to do. And investing your life in the kingdom of God is investing your life for eternity. It's not just a few years here on earth, but it is putting those, those things, it's storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. For every one of us here, for those of you that are believers that stepped across the line of faith, that that God has has placed for us, Jesus tells us, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where, where, where crooks can come in and steal it and moths can eat it up and it can rust, but instead store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. That's what's going to pay off in the long run. Just for a few short years, we have the the choice to impact eternity, of how we will spend eternity. The number one choice is, will I choose to give my life to God? And then after that, has nothing to do with salvation, has nothing at all to do with will you make it into heaven. But after that, there does come the storing up of, of treasures. There does come those things that's making those right choices that is going to to add to the kingdom of God. And so Jeremiah was was, was a man. We we look at this book of Jeremiah at that time. And Jeremiah was was a man for our time also. We need to, to look at the book of Jeremiah. And just as Judah was a nation on the verge of judgment... We need to realize that we are in a nation that is on the verge of judgment also. There was a time in America when we were a a God-fearing nation. We were a supernatural nation. Uh, The fact of God's existence was something that dominated our thinking. It was something that we we, we were a nation, you ready for this, under God. We were a nation that, that God w- that was, was leading. We wanted to allow God to do that. And some of my research, I don't, I don't want to get into it in the depth, but, but President Eisenhower was saying to, to the nation, those of you that know how to pray, you need to pray because, because if, as we pray, we will see our Heavenly Father begin to move in and lead and guide and direct our nation. There was a president that said that. Can you imagine a president saying that now? Okay, we said, but, but we were a nation that believed in a creator. We believed that God was the sovereign ruler of the universe, that, that God was in control. But over the years, as we have gotten smarter as a nation, we have, we have, we have abandoned that concept of, of, of a supernatural God. And now, instead of being a supernatural nation, we are a, a naturalist nation. We, we, we are naturist, we, we, are, we are controlled by, by our human will and this naturalist assumption is that God only exists in the imagination of a few weird religious people and these weird religious people, this idea of a, of a supernatural God it's just, it's just superstition and that any belief in God is irrational any belief in god is something that needs to be set aside and put aside anybody who believes in god is to be is to be mocked and to be laughed at because because we have the scientific evidence that god does not exist i heard it i'm sure that many of you heard it too in the past during, during the elections that there was um, some some politicians that were trying to to pull something together off the co- top of their their mind and talking about that this is a nation that um, is here for all people and it is one nation under uh, it's one nation uh, liberty and justice for all. Uh, there was just such a quick thing of how can I get God out of this equation very quickly. And this is basically where we are as a nation. It's time to get rid of God, to write Him off, to write Him out of our mindset. This naturalist idea is something that that, that says that the world as we know it is unplanned. It is uncontrolled by, by anything out there except us. Creation is the result of of just some, some things coming together at the right time, at the right place, and that you are nothing but an accident. And because of that, if there is something inside of you that you don't want there, like a child, it's okay to, 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 to vacuum that thing out, because it too is just an accident. And what happens over a period of time is that as... And I'm, I'm going to say some couple of things here, and, and give me a couple, give me some space for a minute, okay? Uh, don't don't rush to judgment on this one, all right? But what has happened is, is our universities uh, have taught that, that this is where we are, that 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 God is is a thing of the past, that God is just a superstition, and because our universities are teaching this, the students become this generation of the next generation of educators who are going to be teaching the same thing this, this is going to be the generation of the politicians it's going to be the generation of the, of the, the mindset who is going, going to to write the, the literature that is going to form the way that our country thinks it is going to be the generation that is going to be the judges in our nation it is going to be the generation who are going to write the laws and make the legal decisions and they become this next generation of journalists that are going to interpret the things that they, the way that they see them and even interpret it from a very biased point of view. And what I want to say to, to those of you that are working in the university systems... For those of you that are the public school teachers, that you are the heroes now. For the men and the women of God that are staying in those places, that, that you are the heroes. For our teachers that are, that are Christians, that are, that are keeping a, a, a quality of Christ-likeness in our education system, you are the heroes. You are the ones that, that, that God is saying, you're the Jeremiah now. You're the Isaiah now. You're the one that is to, to, to hold true to the, to the teachings. One of the, I've got to tell you, one of the saddest moments of my life, and this is a little picturesque, but, 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 I'm, but I, I'm not saying it in jest, but it was when, when Ed Paulson retired from teaching. Because that was one Christ-like man of God as a teacher who was not afraid to say, I don't care what you, what you say and what you do, I'm going to do it this way. I want to expose my kids to a different mindset. And for all of our teachers, be like Jeremiah. Don't compromise the message. Now, this, this morning as I, I, as I am working on this, as, as, as people were, were, were carried away into, into captivity... Jeremiah sends a, a message along to, to the people uh, up in, in Babylon. And I want to do this very quickly and then, and then, get, and then uh, get you out of here. very. But in Jeremiah, in chapter 29, there's this whole flow. There's a subtitle in 29. It says, A Letter to the Exiles. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was King Jehoiachin um, uh, and the queen mother of the court of the officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem and the craftsmen and the artisans that had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He goes on to say to them... Okay, here you are. You are captive in a foreign land. And he says to them, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there and do not decrease. Also seek peace and prosperity of the city in which, you ready for this? I have carried you. God is saying, it, Nebuchadnezzar didn't carry you there. I did. I took you, and I'm taking you into captivity. I have carried you into exile. Pray, for, pray to the Lord for it, for the city that you're in. This ungodly city controlled by this ungodly man. Pray for the, the, to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will what? Prosper. Now, okay, if you've been around the church many time at all, the, the, this this, God, the, this over in, inflated prosperity gospel that was around for, for a while and you know. We have to take caution with it. But the bottom line to it is, folks, is when you're serving God and and you're doing what God tells you to do, there is going to be a natural prosperity. It is just going to happen. It is the law of the harvest. You cannot plant one kernel of corn and have an ear of corn grow up with just one kernel on it, it's just God's law. When, when you are, are, are serving God the right way, you will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams to encourage to have. He's going to go on and say to them, and, and this is one of the most powerful verses that comes out of Jeremiah. In chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come and pray. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me when you find me with, with all of your heart. And I will be found of you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you. Where I have banished you. God did something. God put the children of Israel under a judgment because centuries and centuries before, he told them when they went into Israel, if you serve me, this is going to be really, really good. If you turn your back on me, there's going to be some consequences. And now that it's time, it's payday. It's time for the consequences to come in. And they did. He's going to go, Jeremiah is going to go on, he says, for 70 years, you're going to be in captivity, and after 70 years, the time of God of doing this to you is going to be over, and you're going to come home. There's, there's so much that, that, is, that is brought into this that deals with, even in times, Babylon, and Babylon that is, that, that is talked about in the book of Revelation. Talks about a a selling out, that even in a country that looks like it's selling out, that as believers in Christ, God says to us, pray for that city that you are in. And that's the reason that we must pray for our cities that we are in. We must pray for our nation. We must pray that it will be that it will prosper. I don't know how you voted. I don't care how you voted. But what I do want you to know is at this point in life, according to the Bible, that all authority is appointed by God. And right now, you have an obligation to pray for your president, to pray that God will bless him, to pray that God will give him strength. You have another great obligation, and that's to pray for the vice president, who is a great man of God, fantastic man of God, that he will have an impact on, on all of our culture and every place that he goes. And so it's important that we realize that, that we can look at this book. And yes, there are prophetic things talking about Babylon coming down the line. And a Babylon that is going to, in the book of Revelation, in, uh, that talks about Babylon as, as, the, as the great whore of a compromise between, between, the, between the religious world and a, the world powers. And it warns us about about a religious system that compromises with the political powers around us. It warns us about the dangers of falling into that, that, that thing because it just happens naturally. And all of a sudden we realize we've been compromised by the world. When, when uh, Pastor Josh preaches on the book of Revelations, he can unsolve all the things about, about the Babel and the great horror, okay? But this morning... For all of our young men and women in the church. You have before you. Incredible years. Oh you have before you years of your life. That are rich. You have time. To store up for yourself. Treasures in heaven. You have time to impact this world. And to make it a a world that is. That that can, can serve God. While While Jerusalem never did turn and serve God, what we do know that there was a remnant of people that Jeremiah spoke into. There was a remnant of people that was faithful to God and believing and knowing that down through that remnant that that the Son of God, that Jesus Christ, came to earth. And what I want to do this morning is I want to to challenge all of our, our young people are you, are you being honest before God? Are you saying, Lord, my life is yours? It doesn't belong to me? If God showed up on your doorstep and said, Hey, I'm the one that knitted you together in your mother's womb, and I got plans for your life, are you willing to listen to God's plans for your life? Are you willing to say, Here I am, Lord, send me? I grew up in a church, a small a church about this size, maybe a little smaller than this. And out of my age group of, of, of people who were uh, in, my, in my youth group, my high school group, on, on both sides, about four years on, uh, three or four years on both sides of, of my age, there was a, a dynamic move of God. And out of this, this small youth group, there was 27 young men and women that went into full-time service for God. It happened because, because we had a pastor that was speaking to us all the time and say... Do you understand the treasure that you have of breath? Are you willing to invest your breath every day into the kingdom of God? Are you willing to, to take who you are, your thoughts, to protect your mind from the lies of the enemy, to protect your mind from those that have been deceived because there's been a compromise with an ungodly Babylonian system that says, this isn't true, this isn't true, this isn't true. The Bible isn't true. If I can convince you that the Bible isn't true, then there's no moral standards. And I can live however I want to live. We had a, we had a pastor that continually poured into us that treasure of life. And so these young men and women, they, they did literally go off throughout the whole world. They, they went through the whole world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know of numbers and numbers of churches around the world that exist because of these young men and women that said, here I am, Lord, send me. And to, to our young people this morning, those in, as moms and dads, you are raising these young people. And you have the power to speak into their lives, the, the treasure of their breath. Are they going to use it to serve God? Are they going to use it to to further the kingdom of God? And so this morning, as as I'm closing, I'm going to ask the worship band to come up to the front and and the ushers to come also. But, are you willing to invest your life in the kingdom of God? Are you willing to invest your life into eternity? And just just right. Just before, while the ushers are coming up, come on up and up, but I'm going to ask everybody, just all of us, just to bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe there's someone here this morning that you've never stepped across the line of faith, but you know that your life is, is more than just that. And maybe you've never even chosen to serve God yet, but you know that God is speaking to you this morning and saying, I've called you. I called you. When I was knitting you together, I took that DNA of your, your mom and your dad. As I was knitting you together, I have a call in your life. And I'm not giving up on that call. And you know that God's speaking to you and saying, come, I want you to come. you're a believer in Christ and you know that God is speaking to you calling you to to give your life to him completely and totally I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting just to to say okay Lord I'm not sure if you're calling me or not but I'm going to explore it God if you want me to go into full time service in the kingdom of God I'm going to do that The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. It doesn't mean that you just go out and, but you have to study, you have to know the nature of God, the character of God. When I went to Bible school, first thing they said to us was, okay, all of you, you're gonna learn who God is. Most of you don't know. You have an emotion that's called you, and now that it's time to learn God they drilled into our minds and our hearts the character and the nature of God who he was his love for us how he functions his absolute justice his absolute truth the confidence and the belief in the written word of God that could never be compromised could never be changed because it's God's word to man this morning for all of our young men and women, I'm not saying, you're saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take off to Africa right now, but I'm saying I'm willing to explore. I'm willing to be open to, to, to the voice of God. If God is calling me into that full-time service, I want to hear his voice and I want to step up. I want to invest my life in something that's going to last for I want to be a Jeremiah. I want to be an Isaiah. I want to be an Apostle Paul. I I want to be a John. I, I, I want to be one of those men and women of God that makes a difference in eternity. For those of you that are contemplating that right now, I'm going to ask you to do something, not not for my sake, but I do know that there's something that happens when you sign your name on the bottom line. By signing your name, I'm just saying, just raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor Larry, I want to consider God's plan for my life. I want to to consider that an option of maybe a full-time service, a full-time ministry. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. That every one of us here, we're all called into full-time service. Everyone, Every one of us. And I'm talking right now about that place in life that says, yeah, God's speaking to God has called you into a full-time service. Just ask you just, just to raise your hands. Say, I'll consider it. I'm considering it. Just raise your hands. Okay, good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. For all the rest of us here, whether we want to admit it or not, call of God is still in all of our lives. I was dealing with a person the other day and they said, you know, God called me and I walked away and I went into into business instead. Great. You got another mission field. Go there. Go to that mission field in front of you. So Father in heaven, I just pray right now for everyone here that's uh, saying, here I am, Lord. God, send your Holy Spirit right now to to draw and to bless and to comfort. God, send your Holy Spirit to confirm. God, I know that, God, that we confess this morning that you are in charge. So we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. God, we receive this offering now for the one simple reason, and that is the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To hold a, a bright light in a dark world. A light that says this church does not compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not compromise on the deity that Jesus Christ is God's son in flesh, came to earth to pay the price for our sins. So God, as we invest our finances into your kingdom, as we have prospered according to to your plans, God, we give back to you now. God, knowing that, that this is to advance your kingdom. And blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.